Well, I would think, just uh, after hearing that Bible reading about a man with leprosy, I would think that your average person in the street would have no idea that leprosy is still a disease that affects people today. Would you agree? I would imagine that most people would think it was a disease of the ancient day and uh, just not a thing anymore. But the facts are that uh, leprosy is a disease that is still around today. It's caused by bacteria and it is thought uh, to be contracted when a person who's affected coughs or sneezes and a vulnerable person breathes in those droplets. We've heard that a fair bit lately, haven't we? (laughs) Isn't that familiar? (laughs) Leprosy, though, uh, rarely affects people in Western countries of the modern world, but it is deeply entrenched in history. It's been uncovered in skeletons over 4,000 years old and recorded in ancient texts, just as we heard today. Way back in 1873, a Norwegian doctor named Gerard Hansen discovered the bacteria responsible. And that's why in medical circles today, leprosy is called Hansen's disease. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) A second bacteria that causes leprosy was found in 2008. Not so long ago, really. It's incredible that it took close to 140 years for further research to find something else. When Jared Hansen discovered that first bacteria that caused leprosy, uh, it proved that it wasn't hereditary, which that's what people thought. Or they thought it was the result of uh, a bad stench in the air. You know, it's bad air that has done it. And it proved that it wasn't a punishment from God, which people thought as well. So that brought about a real departure from the myths that had surrounded leprosy for centuries. And the wonderful thing now that we know is that leprosy is curable through antibiotics because it's caused by bacteria. The other thing that's interesting is that most people in the world have a natural immunity to leprosy. About 5% of people have no immunity at all. Here's some interesting facts, though. Still today, somebody is diagnosed with leprosy every two minutes. Every two minutes. 60% of those cases are in India. And early diagnosis and treatment can help avoid permanent disability. It's not the disease that causes malformation in people. It doesn't eat away at the feet or hands. The problems are caused because the bacteria affects the nerves, which means that the patient loses feeling and therefore can't tell when damage is done. Infection can set in and deformities happen. Now, back in 2014, Chris and I and a group of people from our church, North Pine, had the privilege of going to Nepal and we visited the Green Pastures Hospital in Pokhara. This is one of the largest leprosy hospitals in Nepal since 1957 and it still treats leprosy and so much more. It's really interesting to see the physiotherapy and prosthetics department. They make their own prosthetics and some of them are quite amazing. There's a hand, and and have a look at the next picture. Look closely, because there is a hand with a spoon attached. 
so that you can eat your rice and dal easily. When it's time, just I'll just go back to that one. Can you see that from the back? Uh, when it's time then to go out and uh, harvest your crop, you take out that hand and you put in a scythe. It's just amazing. This is Shankar. He's an amazing man who came to Green Pastures Hospital as a boy to be treated. He was healed and he attributes his healing to Jesus because it was while he was at the hospital that he was loved and treated by Christians. He came to know Jesus and he left his native Hinduism. Shankar now runs a Christian home for children whose parents are sick, some may be orphans, and others need to leave their remote village to come in closer for education. He and his wife care for multiple children in their home, and we saw firsthand the blessing of being healed from leprosy. Shankar is a beautiful, faithful Christian disciple. Now today, our Jesus encounter is with a man who begged on his knees for Jesus to heal him. If you are willing, he said, you can make me clean, he says. The reason he was so desperate begging on his knees was because he had leprosy. Now often in scripture, the word leprosy in the Greek can be a general term for a skin condition. But whatever that was, if a person had been declared unclean, it would separate them from the community, from their family, and from worshipping God, from the temple, from the synagogue. People would have stayed away from him. And he would have to announce himself with the words, unclean, unclean, and people would scatter. He couldn't go to the temple to worship God unless he was healed and went through a process of examination and purification. And the rituals and rules around skin diseases were very detailed. They were detailed not to be pedantic, but to be helpful. Leviticus 13 and 14 are specifically about skin problems. You want to hear a bit from Leviticus? You ready? Ready? In for the ride. I'm going to read to you from the book of Leviticus. Now remember that this is in context, right? You've got to remember that. I'm going to read it fairly quickly. But here is the seriousness of skin issues and what had to happen. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. And if he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. And if the sore has faded and has not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean. It's only a rash. That's what it says. It's only a rash. 
They must wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin after they've shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person and if the rash is spread in the skin, he should pronounce them unclean. It is a defiling skin condition. It's detailed. But it is detailed to be helpful. But that's not the end of chapter 14. I want to point out just a few things that come in the rest of the chapter. Verse 9, similar detail to what I just read about another defiling skin disease. Verse 18, similar uh, particularity when anyone has a boil on their skin. Verse 24, when someone has a burn on their skin. Verse 29, if a man or woman has a sore on their head or their chin. Verse 38, when a man or woman has white spots on the skin. I'm getting white spots, but I think it's because I'm old. Or getting, getting old. Helpfully, though, helpfully, chapter 14 is all about the cleansing the cleansing from the skin diseases, what happens when you're healed. And it goes through all the rituals for how you cleanse yourself ceremonially after healing from each of these conditions. There were sacrifices to be done which were appropriate for wealthy people and also those who were poor. Now, this man trusted that Jesus could make him clean. He trusted. And then he'd be free to relate to people, wouldn't he? Once he was clean, he'd be free to publicly worship his God. He'd be free to eat meals with his family again. Jesus, though, didn't just heal the man. He showed compassion. And what did he do first before he healed? He touched him. He touched him. In this series, we've seen how Jesus had compassion on people by healing them and driving demons from them. In touching this man, Jesus made himself ceremonially unclean according to the regulations of the temple. You see, Jesus knows that compassion is more important than rules. Compassion is more important than rules. That man may not have been touched for a very long time. But Jesus reached out to him so the man could feel the love of God. It is after that that Jesus heals him. He could have just said, yes, I'm willing and did it. But he touched him. That's a very important principle for us to recognize as Christians, I believe. A very important principle. And we should model it. It's about how we engage with our neighbours, our family, our friends and the community. What a difference it makes for people to feel loved by us before anything else. Before anything. I have no doubt that it would impact our effect in the world. I have no doubt that it would speak into our mission, our evangelism, and our invitation to others to investigate. 
What is this all about? If they were genuinely loved, would they not want to investigate? What is there that we can do in this world as Christians that models what Jesus did that day? What are the leprosies in our world with barriers that preclude people? Now, of course, there's COVID, but I want us to think more subtly. That's in our face. You know, we're told not to touch other people. But as Christians, we can do other things that show love, can't we? But let's think more subtly than COVID. I actually think that skin conditions are still something that separates people. There's something sometimes, you know, that we revile. What about being Aboriginal or Islander in a majority white community? How can we act into that? How can we speak into that? What can we do about that? What about those who are in prison, physically removed from community? What does the gospel tell us about that? Or those who have been released from prison but are held in ongoing suspicion because of it? Do they not need the love of God? Jesus didn't just fix a problem. He humanized the problem and loved the person. I'll say that again. Jesus didn't just fix a problem. He humanized a problem and loved the person. Now, I think one of the important things for us in considering those who live with barriers is to remember the barrier that we had before forgiveness came into our lives. Our sin does for us spiritually what leprosy did for people physically and what those things I've just mentioned does for people physically today. Our sin separates us from God and from other people. You know, when we sin against someone else, does it not break relationship? Does it not impact that relationship? My sin separates me from God and from people. And only Jesus can heal that. And the amazing thing is that Jesus did do something about it. He stretched out his arms of love to reach out to a human race that had gone its own way rather than God's way. Do you remember how we saw that time and time again in our Philippians passages? Think back to that gospel call. Philippians chapter 2, what did Jesus do? He engaged in the problem of humanity himself. He came and touched us. Just as Jesus touched this leper, he touches us by entering humanity, by becoming human. And it was only after he had touched for a significant period of time that he stretched out his arms of love on the cross to take the punishment for the sins of the world so that those who are united with him might be free. Freed from separation from God and people. Free to know God and follow his ways. It's important for us to remember that as we engage with those who are different, who are separated. 
How do we do it individually? And how do we do it as a church? How do we model that method? Probably a good thing for us to reflect on. But let's keep going in our scripture reading. Once Jesus had healed the man, what does he do? It's really interesting, isn't it? He commands him not to tell anyone, but to go to a priest so that he could be declared clean. See, Leviticus 14 comes into play. Going to the priest would restore the man because he would be declared clean by the system and go through the cleansing rituals and the sacrifices. Then he would be allowed to mix with people and worship in the temple or the synagogue. Going to do that first before anything else would also, though, be a testimony to the religious leaders at this is the the very start of Jesus' ministry. Interesting, isn't it? It would be a testimony to them of what Jesus had done for the man. But you see, he didn't want this leper made clean going out and telling the whole world because he didn't want to be known in the world as a miracle worker or a healer. No, his work was different to that. That could hinder the power and subtlety of his mission. Do you remember last week we saw Jesus saying, no, no, let's keep moving. I've got more places to declare the kingdom. Don't let the crowds stop us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, he did do those things, but it wasn't the main focus. His healings and, his, and the exorcisms authenticated his teaching and his claims. They weren't the central point of his ministry. But guess what the man does? If he had a megaphone, he would have gone up on the top of the tallest building and shouted it out to the world. Look what Jesus did for me. He went and told everybody. He didn't obey what Jesus told him to do. He disobeyed. He went out and told many people what he'd done. And this is the, now the sad thing about it, that that had the impact of ruining Jesus' ministry because people were then flocked to him to be healed. They wanted to be healed physically rather than to hear his preaching and be healed spiritually. So the flocks then came. Like last week, Jesus retreated from the popularity of the crowds because he hadn't come to be popular. He came to do the will of God. This, I I say again, is the beginning of his ministry. And we know in three years what happened. What did the will of God produce? That was his focus. He came for the cross. He came to save. It's very sad that this man's disobedience hindered God's will at this point. Perhaps that man thought he knew best or perhaps his joy at being healed meant he forgot what he'd been told. That's understandable, isn't it? But I think we do exactly the same thing in our day and age. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. I think we miss the point. Um, We disobey God probably because we think we know a better way. 
Our role is to hear the words of Jesus and obey the words of Jesus, even if we think we know a better way. See, the interesting thing that happened is that what Jesus told this man not to do, what the the command was, don't tell everybody. What is Jesus' command to us? Go and tell everybody. Because we live at the end of his ministry. We We live in the time after. This was at the very beginning. But do we obey that command or do we do like this guy did and disobey? I think we like being comfortable. Jesus doesn't say to us, welcome into the kingdom, now stay in church. Be with each other, that's, that's really good. He's saying, no, get out of this place. Go into the world. Let it be known. Love people. Touch them. Our role is to hear that word and obey it. Today, though, we're distracted, aren't we? Our world is a world full of distraction. And we fall into the trap all the time. We fall into the trap. The thing is, that man's disobedience hindered what Jesus wanted to do. Our disobedience hinders what Jesus wants to do today. Because we are the ones doing his work. Even though we are called by God to be church, we so easily become distracted. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll supply you with comfort. Yes, following Jesus does bring blessing and it does bring joy, but it will also bring the need for obedience. And the reason for that is because Jesus is the man of authority. How else was he able to touch and heal? Remember last week I said the authority comes from being the author. Jesus is the author of us. Jesus is the author of our world. Jesus is the author of how we are to be in the world, how we are to love, how we are to do mission. Jesus is the author. His authority is worth hearing. It's worth obeying. My friends, I think I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) There's plenty more to be able to say, but I want you to reflect on it. I want you to reflect on how your obedience is going personally and how we're doing corporately. Are we hindering the work of Jesus or are we advancing the work of Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you loved and healed. Thank you that you loved and died. Help us, Lord, 
to see that, to understand it, and to model those relationships with the world that we live in, to love and care and speak. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.